Hey everyone, welcome to episode nine of Midwestern Fins. I am one of your co-hosts, Haggy. We got your other co-host, Taylor, and what's a up? very special guest, Aaron Sutton from PFN. Sutton, what's up, dog? What is up, guys? Glad to talk some Midwest and some Dolphins football with somebody tonight. Hell yeah, welcome to Midwestern Fins, man. So <laughs> we were kind of talking a little bit ago, and you're actually the first guest from the actual Midwest. Yeah, man, I'm from the I'm from the armpit of Appalachia, and I I kind of have reservation with Haggy even being on the show. We might have to kick him out because this dude's from freaking Montana, you know, Midwest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, relatively, he's only a few hours from my from me, and I'm I'm on like the farthest west part to the Midwest, which is weird to say. I know. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> See, Ohio probably shouldn't be in the Midwest, to be honest. We're more the Mideast, but the Midwest, for some reason, encompasses like 80% of America, so. Yeah, so like Belfouche, South Dakota, which is where I coached baseball this last summer, it's considered the center of the nation, and it's literally the most western portion of the Midwest. I'm proud of you, Taylor. Thanks, man. <laughs> how, how, long, how long have you been there in South Dakota? I've lived in South Dakota my whole life. All 27 years of it. All 27 years. Yeah, I've, I've spent my whole life in Ohio. How about you, Haggy? You've, you've bounced around a little bit, though, right? Uh-oh. Did we lose Haggis? Uh-oh. It's the Colorado internet, man. Hey, I accidentally muted my mic. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I bounced around a little bit. Um, wait, Taylor, you said you're 27. Yeah, that's too old for this regime. We're gonna cut you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Freaking John Denny of the show. I'm the oldest 27 year old you guys know. Guaranteed. <laughs> Not a dog. Any 27 year old that's in the military, like for longer than a couple years, is the oldest. We age in double time. Is that what it is? You have some salt and pepper already, Hags? No, I just got a little bit of balding. Okay. Just a little bit. It's really slow, luckily. Okay. I got a full head still. Do you do the spray on hair, or what do you do? Me? I use a Sharpie. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer those, like, Crayola markers. Yeah, the, um, the scratch and sniff ones? Those are good. Yeah. Except for the black licorice ones. Those ones are trash. Ew. Oh, my God. Is that something you guys eat? Yeah, if it has anything to do with black licorice, I want nothing to do with it. Absolutely not. I I think that's got to be a universal agreement, right? Except here's one thing. Like, nobody likes black licorice whatsoever. But I'll tell you that if you go to any bar in South Dakota and you yell Jaeger, everybody else will yell Jaeger with you. (laughs) <laughs> huh. And I, I honestly feel like that's a like a, something I've heard a comedian say. It's like people from South Dakota will do that. Like if you walk into a bar and just go, yeah, girl, then you'll hear it from everybody else. Mm. I have to test this out for science. Come, come on, bring it down and try it. But I would honestly say I bet Fireball is probably more popular. I would hope so. I mean, Jaeger Jaeger had its had its moments. 
I just fireballs just way better tasting to me. I, I agree. I prefer Jack Fire over Fireball, and Goldschlager is better than both of them. I can't really disagree with anything you just said, Taylor. Yeah, I, I haven't tried either of the other ones, so, I mean... Are you serious? Haggy, you talked about Haggy Punch a couple weeks ago, and you haven't tried Goldschlager or Jack Fire yet? No. It on it. I think you'll have plenty of opportunities this season to experiment with some drinks. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm so, so excited to watch Kyle's Crabs videos. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> uh, did he drink one after Tunsil got traded? I thought he was going to, and then I didn't see anything happen, but uh, I, I can't. I'll admit to not being the best payer attentioner on Twitter. Twitter's hard yeah, to keep I up with, you know, and like the more popular you get, the more followers you have, but you like also follow more people, so and your like your circle gets bigger and there's just so much on the timeline. Yeah, there's uh it's a lot. All right, it is. I, I got I got our first question of the day that I've just thought of. So, sure. Like obviously we've all met through Twitter. When you first came to Twitter, did you have a sole reason? besides it just being a social media platform? Or did you come to Twitter for a particular thing? I'll start there. And I, I didn't, I joined Twitter, I think it was January of 2017. We had a snow day in Cleveland. And I was one of those people at that point that was kind of like, man, screw Twitter. Who cares? You know, I, I wasn't really into Facebook either. Now, we go back to, like, AOL Instant Messenger. That was clutch during college. But Facebook, Twitter didn't really appeal to me. And Kanata and Houts would just, like, berate me and call me names and stuff because I didn't have Twitter. I'm sitting there bored on a day off, so I just decided, you know, what the hell. Might as well sign up and see what it's all about. And... There were some growing pains just trying to figure out how to use the damn thing, but once I got the hang of it, I was like, you know what? This isn't bad. And then I started talking to more people. I'm like, okay, this is kind of bad. <laughs> um, hold on. What's a snow day? A snow day? <laughs> what, what, is, what is an Ohio snow day? Uh, well, in Cleveland, it's over a foot, so we do not call off very, uh, very lightly. We've called off a few times for sub-zero temperatures just because we have kids waiting outside on bus stops and stuff. Uh, but for for snow, it's usually around a foot where we have to kind of call it quits. Uh, sound, sounds pretty nice. I, 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 I said negative weather. <laughs> Yeah, are you are you guys about to one up me with how big of a pussy I am on this front? No, uh, not at all. Like you have a you have a pretty respectable thing. I mean, if we were talking to some of our earlier guests that live in the South and it's like a half an inch, then we'd make yeah, fun right. of them. But <laughs> like a foot, a foot's pretty reasonable. That's about where I wish that I would have gotten snow days. Yeah, I remember walking to school in like twenty inches of snow before, um, and it it seemed like it happened because. Uh, they would make us walk to school because the buses weren't running. They're like, we're not going to close school down, but you still got to get. 
Now, <laughs> now I feel like snow days are a little bit more lax. They actually like account for snow days. When I was in school, if we got a snow day, we had to make it up at the end of the year. So it was fairly common for us to go to school all the way until the end of May. Well, if you lived far enough away to need a bus, how long did it take you to get into school? I mean, did you guys have to like ride Iditarod Huskies or something to school or how did that work? Our horses have snowshoes. <laughs> I think um, like when I was in high school, my mom lived like a little bit over a mile from the school. So I'd say it probably took a half an hour to walk to school. But uh, the craziest thing I ever did is I like, I literally tried to put studs on my bicycle. Like I put a bunch of screws in my back tire so I could ride my bike. In my oh bicycle. no. <laughs> That's brave. Uh, yeah. I mean, I went from the inside out, so, you know, it was lined and it worked for the most part. And I got like one of those not popable black tires, but it was still really hard. I just, every winter, there's a post that goes around Facebook. It's like, hey, don't forget to put screws in your tires so you can drive better on the snow. I'm just I like, no. <laughs> I like it when they tell you to, like, drain your uh, to drain your windshield wiper fluid and then, like, put, put boiling water in there so that it won't freeze your window. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. How, so, how predictable is the weather in Ohio? So, I've got some... I got some family that live in Toledo, but I know that's quite a bit farther north than Cleveland. But what's uh, what's the weather like there? Is it is it fairly predictable, or can you you wake uh, up one day like oh? It's I here. mean, no, no, it's not really that predictable. Actually, random fact: Earth has the most unpredictable weather in the whole solar system. Anyway, Cleveland, really? yeah, <laughs> Cleveland <laughs> itself is kind of not the greatest for weather. I mean, we have pretty much six months of winter, then a short spring, a humid ass summer. And then right now is probably my favorite time where it's mid sixties and we can start kind of wearing hoodies and jeans and it feels comfortable temperature wise there. But, uh, I I gotta stop you. I just made the worst face ever. You said it was mid sixties. It was ninety three degrees today. Where am I? What? Yeah. Same. What's going on in the world right now? What am I missing? Is there like an El, El Nino this year or something? And like, yep. and it's crazy. So this is like the hottest it's been all summer, and we've gotten a lot of rain this year. Like, I think it was already the third wettest year in June. So. Relatively, I think this is probably like the wettest summer, wettest year ever recorded in South Dakota. But yeah, this will also be the first time in a long time that I remember not seeing triple digits. And I mean, granted, September's not over yet, so it's still possible. But usually, like August and July are you know ninety-five to one hundred degrees all summer, like for three weeks at a time. So I did not know. Yeah, and so it was ninety-three today. Like sometime today, when I left my house this morning, it was 51. So there was like a 42 degree swing for me today. Is that pretty typical? I would say, yeah. So Spearfish, South Dakota, Spearfish, South Dakota, which is only like, you know, 15 minutes from my house, um, has the world record for the fastest temperature change. And like officially, it was like 1945, but officially it was 40, 40 degrees in two minutes is how much it changed. 
And the story that I love hearing was a guy was on the side of a hotel shoveling snow. And then he walked across the hotel to go shovel the other entrance. And it was 65 degrees in the sun. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, and I guess a lot of windshields broke because it, it was yeah. cold. And yeah. It got really hot. And then it got really cold again. And like windows were shattering in places in houses and cars and things like that. Yeah, I bet like basketballs were all deflated and stuff. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. I get. I mean, like I've experienced some really cold weather and really hot stuff. How many? Like I know Haggy's already answered this question, but have you? How many months do you think you've seen snow? Like in the calendar year. I mean, it's probably. I mean, like I said earlier, probably probably close to six months. I'd say late October, even into April, sometimes. Ah, uh, you're lucky. Yeah. I've I've just just so you know, I've seen snow in every month, and like, I, we've had Fourth of July fireworks canceled because it was snowing too hard. Where? Okay, you said South Dakota. Are you sure you don't like live South Mars or something? <laughs> <laughs> this is not making the, sense to me. Yeah, I live in the Black Hills, so um, the way it, it kind of works is like all the winds come carrying across Wyoming, and then they hit this like random patch of hills and mountains in the middle of the prairie, hmm. and weather just pools up here. Are so, you guys at risk for tornadoes? Well, not necessarily where I'm at, but to the north of where I am, and you know, to the east. South Dakota is right in the middle of Tornado Alley. So mm-hmm. um, my town last, had one this last spring. So I'd say last summer, um, Spearfish Canyon, which is you know within my range, had a had a tornado touchdown like inside of a tank, which is really big. dang. Yeah, my my hometown. So I'm from the Mid Ohio Valley, and it's called a valley because it's a valley, and there's a bunch of factories there too so what happens is that pollution gets trapped in the mid-ohio valley so we have one of the higher like cancer rates and pollution rates of any county in ohio wow that's weird weird huh so probably gonna die of cancer at some point during this podcast so i I, it was a pleasure knowing you guys and i appreciate you guys having (laughs) on where i leave real world well, since we don't know how much time you've got, you've got left before you pass on. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about Kaboom for a little bit. Yeah. So Kaboom is the charity that I chose to talk about tonight, coming on the show with you guys, and I kind of like the format that you guys do. You know, just it's laid back. We'll I'm sure we'll talk dolphin football at some point. If we don't, it's no big deal. But to be able to <laughs> To be able to talk about some charity is cool because many of you may know if you follow me on Twitter that I have a ton of kids, but before I had a ton of kids, I worked with kids, and I've been working with kids ever since I was out of college. It was my escape from like the nine-to-five corporate world, which scares me to death, so it was kind of like, how do I just stay fresh every day, be around some kids and that. So I've always kind of been drawn to that. And uh, Kaboom is a charity organization that's geared towards getting 
children athletic equipment and really just trying to restore values in sports athletics and the arts and what you see nationwide in schools and has been happening for several years is that schools are cutting corners in those areas families are having to pay a lot out of their own pockets just for their kids to participate in sports and when times are rough you know those things go by the wayside and i just know how many memories i have as a kid just playing sports myself forging lifelong relationships with the people that i played sports with it's part of my very identity i mean i i'm a former basketball player but i love football too and you know i played baseball i played soccer i pretty much love every sport that's out there except uh skateboarding that was never i've never very good in the balance sports but anyway what kaboom does is it helps uh, get communities those funds uh, for kids to continue to participate in sports uh, it might come in the form of equipment, it might come in the form of some repairs on a gymnasium just to make sure that some of these uh, after-school programs can continue to flourish. And so my charity organization is all just around kids and trying to make the world a better place by trying to get kids to be happy. We put so much pressure on kids these days and just want remember uh, want the adults to remember to let kids have a childhood and one way i was able to do that was playing sports man so that might have been one of my favorite moments on midwest events <laughs> i'm not even kidding that was so cool and if if you guys you know followed me on twitter and you saw my thread last week about all the charities that we supported and um, everything that we broke it down and it's so cool that we've been offering this to all of our guests so that we can, you know, find things that are you know personal about us and that we can relate to and build upon. And hearing your story just now, man, that was that was really cool. And I really appreciate that you brought that on. That's that's amazing. And it really it moves me here and all that stuff. It's great. Well, yeah, thanks so. for giving me a platform to talk about it. And I'm very much a type of person that says, you know, things might suck right now, but if we do right with our kids like we can change might be slow but we can get there and so if we can uh pour our mind and our spirit and some dollars into making sure kids have a childhood and also just getting them the resources that they need to uh to just keep growing i think we can really uh leave the world in a better place hell yeah that's so badass and I've got Absolutely. three myself, and they're all really young. So I, I love everything that you just said. That's just, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. And how old are your kids, Taylor? Four, three, and one. Four, three, and one. So, you know, they're going to be starting kindergarten not too long. Emma's, and... first day, Emma's first, second day of preschool was today. Wow. Okay. So how you feeling? I feel good. I mean, she, yeah. she did preschool last year too. So okay, okay. I didn't know if it was her first year or not, because the uh, the first year is kind of like, yeah, I don't know about this whole school thing. But you know, from my experience, I I want to work with really young kids because that's where a lot of brain and cognitive development happens. So getting to them early, and I just get so deflated when I think about how kids are treated through school, where it's basically they're just treated as like a cognitive output machine. Like what, what can you produce from your brain in this 
you know, scientific, mathematical, literacy-based scheme, what can you output from that front and completely ignore, you know, the social, emotional, intrinsic abilities that may not just fit into a nice little cookie cutter sort of class like that. I just think of how many kids just get completely overlooked through school because we have such a narrow way to look at people. So that's another reason I like the boom is that it reminds us that humans aren't just your IQ. I mean, there's, are you a good person? Do you, uh, do you volunteer ever, you know, like how do you spend your time? Are you a complete selfish piece of crap or do you actually like try to build a community? So, um, I know I'm rambling at this point, but just being on this platform is great. I just like being able to talk about, talk about kids and, and making it right for them. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm eating it up. That was amazing. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, I want to throw out some stats there. Um, in addition to that sports stuff, uh, they also like to uh, build like playgrounds and play spaces. And uh, so here's some stats. Uh, since their founding, which was about 20 years ago, and it's current as of December 2018, which is, I'm reading this right off the website, um, they've built or improved over 17,000 play spaces, serving over or nearly 10 million kids and engaged over 1.5 million volunteers for this whole thing that's yeah awesome stats and one more point and then we can we can shift gears in any way you guys want but this is the this is the first generation of of humans that are not going to outlive their parents because of the obesity what's going on there so you know another layer to this is getting kids off screen time, getting them out, sweaty, grass stains, skins on their knees, um, going out there, making mistakes for God's sakes, uh, get dirty. Yep. And, uh, and one way to do that's to head out to the playground and go play for an hour. Um, I know there, we have some trust issues in American society right now, but I, I think one way to overcome that, get back to the playground, let's go play. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I try to take, I try to take my kids to the park as much as I can. Yeah, I just I I feel bad, and you know it's when you live in when it's crappy weather, you only have so many options inside, and uh, you feel for them, so you end up letting them watch movies and stuff like that. But when it's gorgeous outside, I don't want my kids sitting there watching Peppa Pig or some mindless crap. Let's go outside <laughs> and and go goof around, go throw a ball or something. Yeah, that's the Midwest talking. That's right. Might even <laughs> right. have a beer in my hand. <laughs> oh yeah, cornhole. Well, yes, yes. Now you, now you're speaking my language. Yeah, you don't, you don't need two hands to throw a ball. <laughs> so, I guess we're talking about balls now. So maybe we should switch our things up to uh, some football talk. You guys down? Sure. Or is this going to be a shit show? <laughs> What's gonna be worse? Us talking about the Dolphins right now in their state, or the actual Miami Dolphins? Tank, tank season. Let's go. You know what? <laughs> I'm, I get that everybody's embracing the tank season, but I'm just gonna ride the no expectations gang gang the whole season. There's no no reason to stray from that for me. 
Now, are you taking that measure to just not be like emotionally devastated every week, just kind of be a little bit more stoic in your approach? Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I'm like, I, I'm going to be happy and I want my team to succeed. But if they don't, I'm not going to let it ruin my life. You yeah. know, I'm not going to be like hyped up about it. You know, I get it. And I, I feel like I've, I've mentioned this before. The Dolphins have taught me that the less expectations you have for whatever is going to happen. And, you know, my mindset is <laughs> right. that, that was for my, always for myself, yeah. uh, you know, and like my my own my own self, you know, like I'm setting my expectations higher, but I'm not allowing other things to dictate dictate how I feel. So as far as the Dolphins go, I'm going to approach it as I don't have any expectations for the team. If they exceed them, then that's great. But if they don't live up to them, then I'm not going to have any problems because they're so low already. <laughs> yeah, I think there's this mentality that you have to be just emotionally crushed the rest of the day or you're not a fan. And it's like you can root for a team to win and also, you know, have four kids and be able to go do other things after the game is over. So... And it's funny what you mentioned just now is because any time going into the season and the Dolphins were expected to go, you know, we're that 10 and 6 team and we're going to sneak into the playoffs, we go 8 and 8, 7 and 9. If we're expected to go 6 and 10, then we go 10 and 6 and make it into the playoffs. So it's always upside down land when it comes to the Dolphins and expectations. It never seems to go the way it's supposed to go, with the exception of this year, just because of how thorough they have been trying to uh, script this a certain way. Absolutely. And then I'm, for anyone that listens, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to do whatever I can on Twitter to make it funny, whether I embrace the tank or I go against the tank. Like, I'm in the same no expectations gang gang, but that's not what you're going to see on Twitter. You're going to see someone who's mad about Tunsil. You're going to see someone who <laughs> cheers for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then also, like, even though Fitz throws a touchdown, probably throw in, like, a start Josh Rosen. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I tweeted fire Flores already. I think I did, too. At least once I did. It was probably after he released John Denny. I was like, fire Flores, done. A long snapper. We're mad. Like, Dolphins fans are mad at a long snapper that's 40 years old. Yeah, I think that was the only one that I was actually, like, genuinely deep down mad about. I, I, get I think we, stuff, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of at the point where it's like, okay, man, now they're taking it too far. So, so, wait, so I'm yep. going to... I wanted to bring this up, and I think I discussed this a little bit on Twitter. Even. So we brought up we brought up on a previous podcast. I said I would be okay for trading for an elite player using first round draft picks. I said that we were talking about Zach Martin. I said if the Dolphins were to trade for Zach Martin, I would be okay with them giving up a first round draft pick because I thought he would be worth it. So by me saying, you know, I'm I'm cool with teams trading first round draft picks for elite players. It makes sense. Oh, Taylor's gone. <laughs> he timed well, out a little bit. There he's coming back. It's the Colorado internet. Is that what it is? Yeah. We have, it's we high, have relay. It's high all the time. Yep. 
<laughs> Did you actually listen to that one? <laughs> no. You guys I mean, actually can't hear me now? Uh, there he's coming back. back. I heard everything you guys said. <laughs> I should have said something about soy sauce then. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So what? So... You guys all talk shit about my soy sauce usage. At least I don't put it on my popcorn. I know someone who puts soy sauce on their popcorn. Ooh. That's a lot of salt. That's all it is. Soy sauce is just liquid salt. And it's great. <laughs> he puts it on spaghetti. That's why I make fun of him. No, you do not. Try it. Try it's it. It's like make... the next greatest thing from sliced bread. I, I will stand. I will stand soy sauce on spaghetti equally as much as I stand arugula on pizza. Damn! Now I feel like I need to throw out some random foods you need to try. So I'm gonna go try some try cottage cottage cheese and potato chips. No. Please. Wait. Yeah. Like you'd... you use like you dip it like sour cream, but it's cottage cheese. Yeah. Yep, get no. some like uh, get some ruffles or some wavy lays. So you got a little, you got a little torque in there, so you can get some dip, and uh, it's it's pretty solid. Been eating it since it's, I was a kid. That's the most midwestern thing anybody's. <laughs> I'm writing this down. Hold on, where's my pen? Uh, oh, all right. Uh, what I like to I, do is I like to take the tortilla chips and like whenever I'm testing my spaghetti sauce, I'll use that almost like a salsa. Ah, okay. Bad I could get down with I, I could get down with that. Oh, try putting um Cheetos <laughs> Cheetos in the microwaves with some mini marshmallows. What? Are you serious right now? I did it once when I was a kid and it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty legit. I don't understand. Like you, So AKA, AKA you haven't eaten this food item in like twenty five years. Right. I was just saying, like, <laughs> try it out. Like, I'm going to try it out again. Shoot. All right. How about you tweet about it and then let us know? All right. Yeah, there you go. Good plan. I'll let you know if it's still legit. Yes, please. Well, I don't know what the last thing you guys said was, but I just want to sum up. Laramie Tunsil's a top three player. It's good that they traded a first-round draft pick. The Dolphins obviously valued him at that point. That's why they got as much as they did. But the Texans valued him equally the same, so I'm not I'm not upset with the the trade from either side. Like I think if the Texans really felt like they needed a you know a, a bookend left tackle and Laramie Tunsil, then that's fine because that's how I thought he was. You know, top three player at his position. I also stated that I'm cool with teams traded first round draft picks for elite players. So, and if you look at it from the scarcity of the position and how many elite players there are. You can kind of compare this to quarterback. I mean, it's not a stretch to say that there are not that many elite tackles in the National Football League right now. Uh, it's it's tough to get quality linemen from college. I'm going to pick Richmond Webb's brain here in a few minutes um, to get some more answers on that front. But what the what you saw in the draft capital that the Dolphins got back is, I mean, that's like quarterback value there so uh it was it was clear that the Texans wanted him pretty bad yeah and like i've been i've been reading about it you know they say that the dolphins got uh more for laramie tunsil than the raiders got for khalil mack and that's just wild to me 
That's, that, that's yeah. pretty wide, and again, just goes to the scarcity of the position. That's fair. So, first game coming up this weekend, you guys got, I mean, we already discussed no expectations, but is there anything that you guys are looking forward to seeing? This For this season, this is all going to be about the young players for me. It's going to be how are the Christian Wilkins doing? How are the Jerome Bakers doing? How are the Minka Fitzpatrick's doing? How are the Michael Dieters playing? So those are going to be the guys that I'm watching most of the time because we just saw this roster turn over 25% in the last couple of days. So a lot of these guys that are on this club right now aren't going to be on the team when we're making noise. So it's going to be these young guys, this very small young nucleus that we have right now. Those are going to be the guys I'm watching. How do they respond to the circumstances? And personally, I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. But what I'm really looking forward to seeing is, does Ryan Fitzpatrick survive week one? Because... (laughs) We he like they said they like we don't even know actually who's starting where like we're still testing people out so it's it's a bold strategy but we'll see if it pays off. I think the thing I'm looking forward to the most is I want to. Hey, he just cut out again. I'm gonna I'm gonna recall I'm gonna call you guys back in just a second because I, there's been a really bad static on my side. I probably have to get going, so... um... Perfect. We'll just leave it at this, then. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Well, I guess that's how we end. I'm just going to say, the only... (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to touch the ball the most. And, like, they're saying that Kenyon Drake's going to have a lot of touches this week. We've never had a running back ever since... I would say Ricky Williams that they haven't gotten a... And it's ridiculous. I mean, we watched Lamar Miller a guy who had more talent than anybody, get the ball 13 times a game. We saw Jay Ajayi, who could run 200 yards a game, get stiff-armed and have six carries one game. You know, we've had Kenyon Drake getting 10 carries a game. It doesn't make sense to me. If you guys have a star player on the team, give them the fucking ball. It's really simple. It makes sense to me. And we haven't really seen it. So that's what I'm looking forward to, is I want to see who's going to get the ball, and I want to see him regularly get the ball to wait, make him get, you know, let him get the place. I'll even go one step further, Taylor, and when you look at where we play football, most of our games every season, geographically, we're playing in the South Florida sun, and we're also playing, if we're playing late in the season, we're going to be playing in some adverse weather conditions in Buffalo, in New York, in Foxborough. I say, why not become a dominant running team? Now, that's not to say we're going to line up in the triple I and run some or, and run some triple option type stuff or anything like that. We're still going to use the short passing game the way the Patriots have done it for years. But if we can develop that offensive line that can pave lanes for a running back like Kalen Balazs, who's just a monster, uh, to get the creases for quick guys like Kenyon Drake and we can uh, just eliminate the of our opponents by, by our ground game. I think that suits us for six out of the 16 games that we're going to have every single year. Um, so I would love to see the Dolphins become one of the best running teams in the NFL because that I, I think implies good game scripts for us when we play our division opponents. 
time and possession. Agree. And and I just I trust running the football more than passing the ball in terms of limiting turnovers. You just see more interceptions than you see fumbles. So you kind of look at it from just maintaining possession standpoint as well. Absolutely. Plus, a lot of the defenses now are going towards a like pass defense centric. So it's it'll be good to kind of a keeping it keeping it old school there and like that'll really help out the pa- or the running game. Yeah. Yeah. So we may not have, you know, 350 pound beefy dudes all over the line of scrimmage or anything like that. We're not going to telegraph what we're doing, but still, uh, it may look different than our dad's NFL in terms of how we're going to run the ball. But I think in principle, it's still very much a, can you get four yards on a run? If so, that you're in a pretty good, you know, you're in a pretty good situation. Yep. Well, all right. Well, thanks for joining us, Sutton. Um, and I feel like this was a pretty good time here on Midwestern Fins. Again, um, Sutton's on PFN. Follow him and them on Twitter. Uh, they had the big breaking news with Tunsil stuff. So, you know. Yeah. Props. Yeah, you <laughs> Thank you. you. Good that thing. was. Uh, that was. Definitely one of the tougher things I've been involved in on social media, just kind of knowing the information that we had and just seeing the reactions of it. It was almost like an out-of-body experience, like, wait, they don't know what I know, and they're sitting there telling me that none of this can be true and uh, that we're all assholes and we all suck and uh, there's no way this could ever be happening. And it's like, dudes, please just trust me on this. I don't tweet out a bunch of outlandish stuff so, so well and it's kind of like well on one hand pfn is breaking this news our credibility is on the line and then on the other side it's damn my favorite team is trading away the best player on offense yeah, yeah. oh so it was definitely a wild ride for sure although we do have to say uh, mike from fourth and just had it first oh but... he has everything <laughs> first. i don't even know why i bother claiming otherwise but yeah thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it definitely yeah we appreciate you coming on sutton take it easy guys nine you too have a good night